Welcome into the newest episode of the UNA BCM podcast. I am Matt Daniels, the campus minister here in Florence, Alabama at the University of North Alabama. And we're excited to bring this to you, this series, kind of over the holiday season. I know a lot of you students listening to this, you're home and you're going to be home for about seven weeks. And so we want to make sure we continue to feed you spiritually uh, in a season that busyness can take over and you can forget about your spiritual walk. And so we're here to help you with that with this podcast we're going to be releasing in this series here on this topic that we're going to discuss is going to be four episodes. And today is episode one. And what the goal of this series is, is to help all of us, myself included, fight back against anxiety. It feels like anxiety is rampant. It feels like that Christians today, and especially you students, myself, we have just accepted that we're going to live a life of anxiety. And accepting that lie is straight from the enemy. That's what Satan wants for us. We see throughout Scripture where God tells us, fear not, do not be anxious. Rest in him. Be still and know that he is God. Exalt his name among the earth. All of those things, but yet we're still living with anxiety. We're carrying doubts. We're carrying fears. We're carrying these questions. And so we're going to look at a passage in scripture. We're going to break this passage apart over the next four weeks. We're going to have different guests each week uh, so that it's not just me talking um, so that you hear from this. And even for somebody that's listening to this that's not a student, I just think of what we've gone through in 2020, it's caused anxiety to be high. And so we're going to speak against that. We're going to speak to that and we're going to fight back and we're going to look at Philippians 4. And we're going to look at a few verses in Philippians 4, primarily Philippians uh, 4, 4 through 9. We're going to look at verses 4 through 9. We're going to break these apart over the next few weeks. And I'm excited about today's episode as we're going to really look at verse 4 when Paul says to rejoice. And so we'll get into the passage here in a minute, but I want to introduce our guest that we have. One of my best friends, probably the smartest guy I know uh, here in the Shoals area, at least, uh, Trey Mitchell, who's the college pastor at Underwood Baptist Church. Trey, how you doing today? Man, I'm doing great, Matt. Fired up about this opportunity. And, you know, anxiety is one of those things that invades everybody's life. And so I think we do as leaders in ministry, our people a disservice if we don't speak to the things that are impacting them the most and the things that they're struggling with the most. And so... I'm excited to, to dive into it today. I think learning to rejoice is a major way in which we can combat anxiety. I know we're going to get into that a little more uh, here in a minute, but I'm excited to have the opportunity to speak to you guys that are out there listening today. And I hope that through the things God's placed upon our hearts, it, it finds a way into your soul and, and really helps you begin to break loose from the stronghold anxiety can set up in our lives in so many ways. Yeah, and as you listen to this, just a little plug here for Trey and for Underwood Baptist Church. They also have a podcast, The Life Podcast, where you can go and pick up on the sermons you may have missed throughout the semester over the years. Let's go back a few years now. They've had that podcast. Like like I said, Trey's at Underwood Baptist Church. Uh, they have a college service on Wednesdays at 8.30 during the school year. Um, that's when 8.30 p.m. Make sure we get that right. And you can come, obviously, on Sunday mornings, join a life group. They have small groups. Uh, and so excited to have... Uh, Trey here. I'm also a member at Underwood. There's no shame in that. That's where I serve and alongside. So I just wanted to give that little plug there for Underwood and that podcast. So let's jump in. I'm going to read this passage. If you have a copy of God's word with you, I would invite you to join us. But this is Philippians 4, 4 through 9. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, 
But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And so we see in the heartbeat of this passage is to not be anxious about anything and to focus on what we're thinking about, what we're practicing, what we're saying. And this little passage here starts with rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. So Trey, just help us out a little bit with the context here, kind of set the framework for what Paul's really trying to communicate to us. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, just the background of Paul's situation. And as he's writing this letter to the Philippians, we know that that context for him looks like a jail cell. So here we have a man who's in the middle of a time that was probably a great opportunity for him to be filled with anxiety, you know, not knowing what his fate is going to be for sure, knowing that this could be a life or death situation for him. And he's writing and encouraging these believers to rejoice, which is our main focus today. And and just knowing that that's his situation and that he can pin these words, knowing that for Paul, it wasn't just words on a page. It was the sentiments of his heart. It's what he was truly practically living out. It's not that he was asking the people to do something that he himself wasn't doing. So how in the world can a man rejoice in this kind of situation? How can a man rejoice in the midst of sitting in a jail cell is what we want to unpack for you today and see, you know, what kind of secret to success did Paul have? Yeah. Or was it not necessarily a secret, but a spirit? that helped him to success, that helped him rejoice in this kind of situation. And so just know as we get into this, that's that's what he's staring down. He's he's isolated in a jail cell, uh, an opportunity for him to be full of anxiety, and yet he's talking about rejoicing in this moment. Yeah, and it's interesting when you think about this, too. He's closing his letter to the Philippians as we're reading it here, right? We've got these verses and chapters. He just wrote this big, long letter, right? And a lot of people call Philippians kind of a book about joy. Right. And that's very interesting when you think about the best way to combat anxiety is to live in that joy of the Lord that he gives you that comes with that relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think that, you know, we get the emphasis from Paul here. Right. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he brings it back. And again, I say rejoice. It's almost like when you're rejoicing, rejoice some more. Right. It's almost like it's got to overflow and continue to just pour out of your life towards the Lord, in the Lord, right? And it, it even comes, the first couple verses here in chapter 4, he talks about some women that helped him. And he's just so thankful for people that helped him throughout, who guided him, who taught him so many things. And so that's a big deal when we're talking about this. And we'll get into that a little bit more um, towards the end here of this podcast episode. But Trey, I just kind of want to jump into this conversation. We see this word rejoice, right? And I don't think that's a word that we probably use a lot in 2020. And so just to make sure we're all on the same page, right? What does rejoice actually mean? Yeah, I think that's an important question to ask. You know, there's a lot of things that, that we encourage each other to do throughout life. And I really feel like this is the case within church and evangelical circles where we encourage people to do things. We speak things into people's life without 
necessarily understanding the full meaning of what we're encouraging or asking others to do. And rejoicing is one of those things that, you know, if you grew up in church circles, that's just one of those words that you hear. You know, we're supposed to rejoice. It's one of those things that, that we should be doing. But what does it mean necessarily to rejoice? Well, to give just a flat, straight working definition, to rejoice quite simply means to feel or show great joy or delight. Mm-hmm. Now, keeping in mind we're talking about somebody who's in prison right now, that's not necessarily the definition that we would define our attitudes by most likely if we were in Paul's position. So to rejoice is quite simply that, to feel or show great joy or delight. Now, we can rejoice over a number of things, right? I had the opportunity when I was a, a freshman in high school to be a part of a state championship winning baseball team. And when that last out was recorded, I promise you that was a rejoiceful moment. We showed great joy. We had delight all over our faces. But within our walks with Christ, you know, within the example that we show to the world, what does rejoicing look like on a daily basis? What does it mean to rejoice on a daily basis? Well, it means that we can find joy. It means that we can find delight regardless of the circumstances or the situations that we're in. And I think that is so huge for 2020 what we've had to deal with pandemic-wise, what we've had to deal with emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, what we have had to deal with with constantly having to change plans or cancel plans. It's been a very difficult year to find reasons to rejoice. But through Christ and through His Spirit living within us, we can find joy and we can find delight regardless of the situation and regardless of the circumstance. And I think that's one of the greatest lessons we can learn from Paul right here and seeing that that is exactly what he's doing. It's not an unattainable achievement. This man is rejoicing above the situation and the circumstances that he's in. And I think that's a great opportunity for us to look at and say, well, we can do the same. And if we're not, then why aren't we doing the same? Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, Trey, you had a sermon. I don't even remember when. And I don't remember the exact phrasing you had. But what I took away from it and something that I constantly actually remind myself of is don't let my circumstances hinder my calling. You know, and I think that's just so key when you're talking about our circumstances change all the time. I mean, you and I, we have a plan for today when we're recording this, but it could very well change from the moment we walk out of this room that we're recording in. And that's just how life goes, but that doesn't mean that changes our perspective. It doesn't take away our joy. That the joy of the Lord that you woke up with this morning, whoever's listening to this, when you woke up, the joy was new, the mercy was new, the grace was new, and it's abundant. And that's how good God is. It doesn't matter our circumstances. It doesn't matter our sin. It doesn't matter our choices. He still gives that to us every single day because that's who he is and that's how faithful he is. And Paul even talks about this a little bit at the end of chapter 3 when he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. We've got to keep our eternal perspective. And we'll get more into that in a minute. But when we keep our eternal perspective, it helps us stay joyful, understanding that this life is short. This is not our home (laughs) We've got something better and perfect waiting for us. And so let's rejoice. Let's be a joyful people. We have that victory. Let's have that spirit, that attitude that says, man, Jesus is better. My life may not be good, right? It doesn't mean that life is always good, but it means that my spiritual life is good. And so I can take rest in that. I can take joy in that. And it is rejoice. I was even thinking the other day, you know, I know you're not a big Christmas music guy. 
obviously I am. And like listening the other day, it said, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Right. And I was like, you know, that's a phrase that a lot of people listen to and sing. They don't probably don't even know what it means, right. you know. And so that's why I wanted us to talk about what does rejoice actually mean? So now that we know what it means, let's talk into how does this help us with our anxiety? Right. So rejoicing, we know what it means. But Trey, what does it even look like? Yeah, I think once again, you know, sticking with Paul's example, I think we see him lay out what rejoicing looks like. And if you would go back into chapter one with me, knowing Paul's situation, knowing his circumstance, knowing that he's in prison, we see what rejoicing looks like at the very beginning of this book as he's writing this letter. And if you look back in verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me. So he's speaking to his situation. He's speaking to the fact that he's in chains and he's in prison. It's really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And then you jump down to verse 18. He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And so we see him rejoicing. And we see what that looks like inside of the cell that he's in. It, it looks like, to me, rejoicing looks like finding purpose in my place. It's good. Regardless of where that may be. And that's exactly what Paul did in the midst of a prison cell. Couldn't do anything about the circumstances, the situation that he was in. But what he could do was he could find purpose in that place. And he says, here's why I'm here. I'm here because God has given me an opportunity to advance the gospel to a place that it otherwise wouldn't have gotten to. He says, now that I'm here, the, this entire, the whole entire prison rotation has had to sit here and listen to me explain to them the gospel and the good news of Jesus. He says, otherwise, these guys, they might not have ever heard that if I hadn't have been in this place. And on top of that, he says, other brothers and sisters in Christ who may have been timid in their faith, who may have been timid in their witness, have seen my boldness while being in prison, and it's helped encourage them. And so because of his rejoiceful attitude, even in the midst of these situations and circumstances, him finding purpose in the place that he is in gives us a glimpse of what rejoicing looks like. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're inside the jail cell doing a happy dance. Yeah, right. You know, I think we get this picture of rejoicing means i got to constantly be smiling and I, you know, my personality knows you that know me. I'm, I get reprimanded sometimes for being the kind of person that's like, well, you just don't smile much, do you? And I'm like, well, I also don't dance unless I hear music. You know, I'm just not that kind of person who walk around constantly with a smile on my face. I mean, I don't have a rejoiceful heart. But I think sometimes we think, well, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. You know, that means I've got to constantly walk around and, and tap dance everywhere I go. And it's like a Mary Poppins film. Or something like that. That's what rejoicing. Rejoicing doesn't always look like that. Rejoicing is reflected by our, our attitudes and our actions and finding purpose in the place that we've been placed in, even though we might not have anything to do to control that. 2020 is a great example of that. Mm -hmm. We can't control any of this stuff. We didn't ask to be put in it. We wish we weren't here, but the fact is we are. And we can still find purpose in the midst of it. And by finding that purpose, that can transition into what looks like a rejoiceful heart and a rejoiceful attitude and seeing rejoiceful things take place and the opportunities that God gives us in the midst of it. 
Yeah, that's great advice. If you're listening to this, I would encourage you just write that down. Find purpose in this place, right? Because your place, your stuff, your life, it's going to change. We've talked about that. And, and I'm glad that Trey went down that road talking about, I think the misconception is, is we think a rejoicing heart and a rejoicing spirit means you walk around all happy-go-lucky all the time. No, stuff happens. And we have days that are hard. We have stuff in life that's hard. Some of you that are listening to this, you're walking through a loss of a relationship, a loss of a loved one. You're walking through a struggle of a semester. You're walking through things that are hard and we get it. But what we don't want those struggles or those challenges or those losses to become is anxiety. And so what you do is you find the purpose in the midst of that dark storm. You find the purpose in the midst of that. What is God trying to show you? What is he trying to do with the people around you? The fact is, is that you as a believer, God has trusted you with the people he's put in your life to be the gospel, to be the light. And so just stand in the truth of the gospel that you know what? Paul goes on to say in Philippians 1, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So if we could accept that mantra, that attitude, that spirit, that's what rejoicing looks like. That no matter what, Christ is good and he's big enough. It doesn't mean, Trey's right, it does not mean you have to walk around with this huge smile on your face, high-fiving everybody, acting like you won a state championship just for waking up today. Right? But it does mean that you have a spirit that, man, my God is good. The word is true. And if anything in this life takes me away, so be it, because you're going to high-five Jesus on the other side, right? And that's even better as a believer. If you're listening to this and you don't have this hope that we're talking about, this belief that you know to live as Christ and to die as gain, man, reach out to me. Reach out to Trey. Send us a message. Give us a call. We would be happy to talk to you and get that settled for you, because I think some person may come across this who... You don't know what to do with your anxiety because you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The best way to fight anxiety is to give it up to Jesus Christ and give your life to him. But I think most of you listening to this probably do have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so rest in that, stand in that, walk in that, be confident in that. You know, that's one of my favorite things about Trey is that he is who he is. He talked about it, right? But anytime I need an encouraging word, I know I can go to Trey and he's going to lift my spirits. But also he walks with a confidence in the Lord that's undeniable, right? It's not a confidence in Trey Mitchell. It's not a confidence even in his wife or in his son or his family. It's a confidence in the Lord that all of those things come out of. And so I think that's really important. And that's why I'm glad to have him on and talking about this is because I do think he embodies this. And um, it's just such a great example, right? And this is coming from me, right? Who is the smiling guy? Who is the energetic, happy-go-lucky, like, Mr. Optimism, right? And I think both of us live in that joy. It just looks different for each of us. And it's important that for you listening to this, man, don't be like Matt Daniels, who's happy-go-lucky all the time, if that's not who God has created you to be. Be the fearfully and wonderfully made creation that God has created you to be with a joyful heart and press on to what lies ahead, right? Don't focus on the things behind. Focus on on what lies ahead. And so on that note, Trey, let's just talk about why do we even rejoice? Well, there's several reasons. Yeah. You know, I mean, we could spend another two hours just talking about the why, mm -hmm. why we do it. But I think, you know, first and foremost, the most pressing thing that we see, especially with the passage that you kicked us off with in the last chapter and with verse four is, is we're commanded to. Yeah. I think we overlook that. Sometimes I think we 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 know the things that we're commanded to do scripturally, you know, in the form of 
do this, don't do that, Ten Commandment kind of thing that we think of, this is how I'm supposed to live my life. But we forget sometimes the things that we're commanded to do as far as the way in which we are to keep our hearts and our minds and our attitudes in line with. And rejoicing is one of those things we're commanded to do. I mean, Paul says it, looking back in, in chapter 4, where you start in verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. I mean, that's a command that, that Paul is given. And it doesn't come from Paul. You know, it comes from the inspiration of the Spirit. And so Paul, through the Spirit, is given this command for us as believers to rejoice. First Thessalonians 5.16, you know, it says the same thing. Rejoice always. Mm-hmm. Not sometimes. Not when it's convenient. Not when the atmosphere lends itself to it. But to rejoice always. It's what we're commanded to do as believers. You know, but I think we also, we rejoice because of what we've received. I think that's why we do it as much as anything else. It's looking around at all that God has done for us and to us and the things that he does through us. That's why we rejoice. We rejoice because we've been given eternal life through his son, Jesus. We rejoice because we've been born again. We rejoice because we've received an inheritance. We rejoice because we're a new creation in Christ. We rejoice because we've got the hope and the assurance of heaven. We rejoice because the blessings that he has brought into our lives are beyond our ability to count. We rejoice because he has never left us or forsake us. And I think that's a big thing, you know, for for those of us that struggle with anxiety is understanding that, that we need to rejoice because of what we receive. Mm-hmm. The thing about anxiety is one of the most dangerous things about it is how it isolates. And when you become isolated, then that becomes a whole lot easier for depression to creep into your life. And when we find ourselves in those kind of places, the focus becomes much more centralized on what we feel like we haven't been given, that it removes from the truth of how much we've actually received. And that's how we combat anxiety through rejoicing in a big way. It's not allowing ourselves to be isolated to a place of becoming so depressed Mm -hmm. that we don't see all that God has given us. It's redirecting that and going in the opposite direction and saying, you know what? I see you anxiety. I know what you're trying to do to me, but I'm commanded to rejoice. And on top of that, I've got reason to rejoice because of all that I have received from the hands of the good father who has done an amazing work in my life and has blessed me beyond what I deserve and has given me grace upon grace and mercy upon mercy. So don't let that set up inside of your life. Rejoice because of what you've received. But then I think, you know, and I'll kind of wrap up with this and throw it back to you, Matt. I think we rejoice and why we do it is also because of the message it sends. Yeah. You know, it's a message that it sends to the people around us. And I think that goes hand in hand with why we're commanded to do it in Scripture, because seeing someone with a rejoiceful heart, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, speaks volumes when it comes to testifying to the reality of the work that Christ truly does within a person's heart, because it's not a natural thing. Rejoicing in the midst of difficulty, rejoicing in the midst of sitting in a prison cell, takes a supernatural work. And so we rejoice because that's the message that it sends to the world around us, that we have reason to rejoice. Mm. It makes sense to have a 
optimistic outlook on life in 2020. Mm. I think that's counter from what the world has right now. But that's exactly who we are. We're counter from the world. And so the way in which we rejoice, it sends a message to the world around us is we have reason to. And that reason has come through Christ. And we're choosing rejoicing over anxiety, mm-hmm. over isolation, over depression, over all these things that have a tendency to creep into our lives. You know, so many of us get attacked by our anxiety when the reality is we have the power and the ability through Christ to reverse that. And instead of having our anxiety attack us, we can go on the offensive and attack our anxiety. And rejoicing is one of the primary ways in which we can do that. You guys, you know, your group, those of you that the age group that's tuning into this, the majority of you, your generation, whether you realize it or not, is already beginning to earn the label of the anxiety generation. Mm -hmm. That's how people are beginning to describe you guys. But you can change that. You you can change. Let's swap that around, not to the generation that is anxious, but the generation that is rejoiceful and let God do an amazing work through us. And so those, those are the kind of primary reasons, Matt, I see why we rejoice. So I'll kick it back over to you because I know you got something to add. Yeah. I, I just think the biggest thing as to why is that we have the victory, right? Trey talked about what we receive and that's so true. That anxiety that you're walking with, <laughs> Jesus has already defeated it on the cross, Right. And so stop going and taking it off the cross and picking. Right. You're not going to go dig up your dead dog just because you want to play with it. So don't do that with your anxiety. Don't go to a grave and pick up something that's dead and say, let me play with this. That's weird. Right. So same thing with your anxiety. It's a mental attitude. That's why I love here in this specific passage. Right. That. Paul talks about think about. He talks about our minds, and we're going to get more into think in the third episode of this series, right? Because that's where the battle for anxiety really takes place. You know your heart and soul is one for Jesus Christ, but your mind doesn't always tell you that. And Satan gets into your mind and tricks you from that. And so why we rejoice is that we remind ourselves that this joy is Jesus and that I need him. And people need the Jesus inside of me and you. They don't need me and you. They need the Jesus inside of me and you. And so when we can live in a joyful heart and a joyful spirit in spite of our circumstances, it shows people who Jesus is. Right. And that all the spiritual work that is in me is not me. It's him. And so when we keep that perspective, we keep that mind, we press on towards the higher calling. We know that what lies ahead is greater than what we are currently in. It'll help us stay joyful. And if anything, be joyful because of the fact that God has gone and prepared a place for you. And he's waiting for you in his full presence and his full glory in a perfect state that you're going to have a perfect state. Right. And so we're talking about this and we're going to switch gears here now into how does rejoicing help our anxiety? Yeah, this is what I was, the part of this conversation that I was probably looking forward to the most because, you know, it, it, I'm one of those kind of guys, I grew up in church, you know, I grew up listening to messages and I sat underneath some good teachers and nothing against them, but I feel like a lot of my experience within the church, listening to a podcast like this, even if that's where you find yourself, is that there's a lot of information that gets passed around without anybody focusing as much on, okay, how does that information take shape in my life? 
how do I actually put that into practice? All of it sounds good on paper, but when the real life situation hits, how does this take effect? You know, how do I walk this out? And that's what we want you guys to see today is, is how rejoicing really does help mm-hmm. when it comes to the anxiety that you're battling. And so the main thing I want to focus on right here that has been transformative for me and the anxieties that I face, you know, because none of us are above anxiety. And I would say, honestly, you know, anxiety's hit another level for me in the position that I'm in, you know, and I know Matt, you can relate to this too, as ministry leaders, you know, cancellations and limited crowds and social distancing (laughs) And all this stuff has been extremely detrimental for the work that we try to do and the gatherings that we try to have. And so anxiety has taken a whole another level in my life because every week when we get ready to have a service, whether it be in person or virtual or a combination of the two, I stand at the door looking out across the parking lot and wonder, is anybody coming back this week? You know, and it's an anxious thing for me. I'm anxious over the well being of the souls of the people that God has placed within my life in this season right now. And it causes me deep anxiety. Paul even said that himself in, in the book of Corinthians when he's talking about all the things that he had to endure for the sake of following Christ. So he gives this long list of all the shipwrecks, all the beatings, all the imprisonments, all the dangers that he faced in cities and from different groups of people. And at the very end, he finishes that by saying, and on top of all that, there is the daily anxiety that I have over the church. So right. Paul himself knew about anxiety and the things that he dealt with. And so I understand that. But one thing that God has really shaped in my life that has helped me push back on anxiety is the fact that rejoicing will repel your anxiety. It's mm, good. And it's funny how this works. You know, it's just a, a natural thing that rejoicing repels anxiety. And that's what Paul did. In spite of what he was in, he found reason to rejoice. So no matter how bad the circumstance might be, you can find a reason to rejoice. And the funny thing is, is that begins to repel your anxiety. So anxiousness creeps in. I'm having worry. I'm having stress over a situation, over a circumstance, over anything. You guys, for y'all, it could be finals coming up before long. And you're beginning to stress, you're going to have some anxiety over that. It could be a family situation that you're walking through with your parents or with a sibling. It could be a relational thing you're dealing with, with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It could be a job situation. Anxiety can can come through all different mediums of our lives. When that begins to creep in and your mindset drifts into all this what-if scenario and it goes into a worst-case kind of thing, Try rejoicing when that sets in because it completely repels anxiety. The moment that begins to creep into my life and I begin to turn that around into a rejoiceful attitude where I recall all the things that God has done for me, remembering that it's what I'm commanded to do, remembering the fact that I rejoice because of all that I have been given in Christ, remembering that this is the message that I want to send to the world, not that I am anxious, but that I'm rejoiceful. All those things begin to, to flood back in, and anxiety gets pushed out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it completely changes your mindset to where I'm no longer even focused on the anxiety side of things. I'm more focused on the, the reason that I have to rejoice in all that God has done for me and the fact that, that he's way bigger than my anxiety is, you know, and that, that he's not going to leave me in that place. 
just like Paul had that assurance as well. So, you know, rejoicing, I say it repels anxiety. And I've seen that become true time and time again. But I also want to layer that with the fact that you can depend on deliverance. Mm -hmm. When it comes to, to God, our God, he is a deliverer. I mean, it's in his name. It's Jehovah Mephalti, my deliverer. So it is literally deliverance is within his name. And that's what he has done throughout generations for his people who have called upon him in times of need, in times of stress, in times of anxiousness. God has delivered them time and time again. And his work in our lives today is no different. Paul knew that that was going to be the case in verse 19. He says, I know through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So you can depend on deliverance. You can find reason to rejoice and you can depend on deliverance. If you call out upon God to rescue you out of your anxiety, he will do it. Trust him to do it. And it may not happen instantaneously. Mm -hmm. Paul knew that deliverance would come, but he still stayed into the jail cell for, you know, an X amount of days before that actually took place. But press into God, you know, and trust that he will deliver you from that place and turn the tables on your anxiety. Don't sit there and let it attack you. Flip it around and attack it. Yeah. You do that through rejoicing. Rejoicing attacks and repels your anxiety. Yeah, that's really good. And we got to understand, we've, we've got to take this aggressive nature towards anxiety. We've got to stop just sitting back. Oh, woe is me. I'm anxious. No, that's what Satan wants you to think because he knows if he can get you to be anxious, then you're not focused on the Lord, which means you're not focused on eternity, which means you're not focused on the gospel. And therefore, the people in your life that need that gospel inside of you aren't getting it because you're just content with sitting back and accepting your anxiety. So and you just can't do that. Stop accepting that. Oh, I'm just an anxious person. No, rejoicing. Right. Why, instead of accepting that you're anxious, why don't you accept the things that God's done in your life? Make a list of those things, write all those down and allow that joy to fill your spirit, to fill your mind so that you can do what Trey just talked about and repel that anxiety and push it away and stand firm in the things of God. Right. That's why I love in Philippians 2, Paul writes, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice offering Sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul says, even if I am to be killed for your sake, for the gospel, I rejoice in that. So rejoice with me, even if I am to be a martyr. Right. Right. And so think about that. Paul's sitting in a jail cell, knowing he could literally be killed in any moment. And he doesn't care. He's still rejoicing. He's still focused on the fact. And he says to hold fast to the word of life. Those anxieties you're holding fast to, you're holding on to, is not the truth from God's word. Hold fast to God's word. How does rejoicing help our anxiety? Is we remember the truth of God's word, right? Doubt wonders if it's worth it, but faith confirms that it is. Mm. Right. And so stop wondering if all of this stuff that you're going through is worth it. It is because of Jesus Christ to live as Christ and to die as gain. And when we rejoice, it allows us to see things the way that God sees them. Right. When we're struggling with anxiety, it's because Matt Daniels has put Matt Daniels on the throne seat of life. And so now I'm trying to be in control. I'm trying to handle everything. I'm trying to make things work a certain way. And that's not the way that God wants it to be. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts.
right? And that's a good thing, <laughs> that God thinks differently than we do, that he acts differently than we do. And so let's remember that. Let's keep that perspective, because when we do that, we will be joyful. We'll shout the name of Jesus into dark places. And what we'll see is that our anxiety will decrease and will decrease and will decrease. Because what has happened is we've fallen more in love with the Savior of the world. That's why Jesus tells us the greatest commandment is to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because if we do that, we won't struggle with these things. Seek first the kingdom of God. Right? When we're anxious, it's because we're probably seeking something else. We're seeking gain for ourselves whatever we're seeking you know relationships we're seeking money we're seeking power we're seeking all these things we're seeking pride and we may not even realize it right and trace right man anxiety for me i never considered myself an anxious person until august 2020 rolled around and then all of a sudden i'm just carrying this anxiety with me everywhere i go because of everything going on in our world but then i look back to my time in college and i thought man i was a pretty anxious person then too because i was so busy Right. I was manager for the basketball team. I was involved in church. I was involved at the BCM. I had a relationship going on. I had all this stuff. I had friends. I felt like I always had to be with somebody. And so what happened was is I never took time to just slow down and reflect on the goodness of God. And so I just lived this fast paced, anxious, just go, 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 go. And never gave myself a chance to breathe in the goodness of God. Give yourself a chance to do that, students. Just stop for a minute and reflect on the goodness of God and watch how that time will just slowly take over and anxiety will go away. Because it does say here, do not be anxious about anything, right? And it starts with this rejoicing heart. And so Trey, as we're closing up here, now what do you just want to leave us with? You know, uh, you talked earlier about how we have to get out of this mindset of anxiety being one of those things that we just have to accept as part of our lives. And I think that's such a true statement. And those of you that truly, truly battle with anxiety issues, you know, that just, I think a lot of you have gotten to that place. And a lot of people that I have counseled with throughout the years of God allowing me to do what I do that really struggle with deep-seated anxiety, you know, they're kind of in this state where they've accepted it. Yeah, anxiety is just going to always be there. It's always going to be a part of my life. And I think the, I think one of the worst things that we could do in the face of an almighty God is try to manage something that he can eradicate. Anxiety is not something that I think our God wants us to leave in our lives and then just learn how to manage it. He wants to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. completely. Mm-hmm. And so one of the biggest things to me that I think has helped some of these people that I've talked with is redeveloping a mindset of understanding how truly big our God is and how almighty he is and how this is not beyond something that he can handle. Because I made the point to a guy one time that was struggling heavily with anxiety. And he, he was... I mean, he loved the Lord. He had an obvious, true relationship with Jesus, and he was a servant-hearted guy. And, you know, he was growing in his faith, but he just struggled mightily with anxiety. And so I asked him one day, we were having a conversation. He had gotten into a bad place, and well, he would have literal anxiety attacks. I mean, hyperventilating, like we got to get the brown bag out and breathe into it to, to calm things down. That's how bad his would get at times. And I asked him one day, I said, 
man, do you do you trust God with your salvation? And he looked at me kind of with a shocked face. He's like, well, of course I do. He's like, I don't, I don't doubt for one second that Jesus saved my soul and that he keeps me in his hands. And I said, well, don't you think it's amazing how many of us fully trust God with our eternal salvation, but fully doubt that he can help us with our temporary anxiety? It's just a backwards mindset that we allow our adversary to get us tricked into thinking that anxiety is one of those things that's too big for God to handle. But if we can trust him with our eternal salvation, then why do we doubt that he can't handle our temporary anxiety? Man, God has the power and the ability to completely melt this out of your life. You just got to allow him to do that kind of work within you and spend time in his word daily and surround yourself with godly people that, that reinforce the truth of scripture in your life. And when you truly trust that, that God can begin to piece by piece remove this struggle out of your life, then it's going to set you free and open you up to serve in ways and believe in ways and grow in ways that you never have before. So stop trusting God with your eternal salvation, but then doubting that he can't take away your temporary anxiety. Yeah, that's so true. I wrote it down from a sermon. I don't know if you said this, Trey, or somebody else, but I wrote this sentence down sometime, and this is what I want to leave us with, is that we must be a people of conviction and not a people of convenience. Yeah. Anxiety speaks to, I'm trying to make life convenient, but conviction speaks to that Jesus has already paid the price. Right. And so let's be a people of conviction and not a people of convenience. You know, one thing that I like to do um, just practically when when I'm feeling anxious is I get a ink pen and a piece of paper. I know that's old school, but for some of you students, you may need to do this. Put the phone, put the tablet, put the computer away for a minute. Grab you a black or blue ink pen, a blank sheet of paper and write down all the good things that God has done what God means to you. And what you'll see is what Trey just talked about. You'll realize he's the God of salvation. He's the God of deliverance. He's the God who's extremely faithful and extremely sovereign over all things. And he has delivered you time and time and time again. Because yes, they're labeling you the anxious generation. Part of that is, is you've gone through more in your short life than most of us will in our entire life, right? For right, wrong, and different. Because the generations like us ahead of us, ahead of you continue to screw it up. Right. And you're having to deal with the consequences of that. But also just because of technology and how things have advanced, things life is just different for you. So make you a list. Write it down. Put it somewhere where you can see it, that God is exactly who he says he is to you. And that will remind you and you'll be able to see it in black and white, blue and white, whatever ink color you decide to choose from. You'll be able to see that and it will just help your mind rest knowing that in spite of your circumstances, God is still exactly who he says he is, and he's still on the throne, and nothing catches him by surprise. And so we can rejoice in that, that our eternal security is done, it's secure, and we can have hope in that. And so I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Trey, thanks for jumping on with us and doing this. If you want to see Life Underwood on Instagram, you can catch up there with everything going on at Life at UBC. Uh, and jump in and plug in there if you're looking for a place or just need some extra encouragement it's there obviously UNABCM on social media for us shoot us a message let us know we'll be happy to reach out to you talk to you about this stuff because we don't want you to continue living in anxiety Jesus is too good and he's done too much for you to walk around like that let's be the rejoicing generation and see what God does through that